You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MZBC Students. How many times have you guys been at a point where you've, you've said the phrase, do I really have to? Do I really have to? Oh, gosh. Right? I remember constantly when I was uh, still living with my parents, probably all the way through college, uh, my, you know, my dad would, like, ask me to do something. I'm like, oh, can I have to? Like, one of the ones I remember most uh, was when we first moved into the house and my parents still live in today. Uh, it's thankfully upgraded since then, but when we first moved into it, uh, this is going to make me sound super old, but I'm not that old. The house was just that old and we were that poor. The only heating source in the place is called uh, a wood-burning stove. Right, and so like in the den area, redneck language, that's where like all your deer heads go. Uh, so the den area is where, and it's my dad's den is full of deer heads and all the furniture is camouflage and all that. Um, anyway, my parents are awesome. Uh, so there was this this uh, wood burning stove. It's this cast iron thing that you you have to load wood into it and you burn it. It does exactly what it sounds like, but it was supposed to heat the whole house. And like now, you know, there's like central heat, right? That like comes through the vents and warms up the whole house. Well, this one thing from this one room was supposed to heat the whole house. Uh, now, granted, it's not a very big house, so it did a pretty good job. But guess whose job it was to go outside in the cold to bring wood in to burn, right? Yeah. JJ, so my dad would be like, hey, you need to go get some wood for the fire. I'm like, do I have to? Oh, do I have to? Because here's, here's two things. One, I didn't want to, but then also um, my dad, one of, I contribute my fear of the dark. No more clicking the pins here. Uh, I contribute some of my fear of the dark to my dad because it was typically at night that I'd have to go out and get wood to, like, stock the fire for the night. And I would go out one door and go around to the fire, and my dad would sneak around the other one and scare the mess out of me. Um, so now I'm afraid of the dark. Thanks, Dad. Hope you're listening to this recording. Um, to this day, I'm scared of the dark. Well, no, not really. I'm just kidding. Uh, but a little. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we, we find ourselves in these situations all the time where we're like, do I really have to? I think, oh, I know, a lot of times, uh, those of us in the room who are Christians, we come to the same point with Jesus a lot. Do I really have to? Like, you said I got to go forgive this person, even though they were like a huge jerk to me. Do I really have to? The Holy Spirit's going, yeah, you do. Sorry. You do. Uh, And so that's that's where we're at tonight. We're asking the question, uh, do I really have to change? So we, we started... Uh, we're talking about the gospel last week, what it is. And so tonight we're talking about how the gospel changes us and that it does lead to change. If you're truly uh, a believer, it should lead to, it should lead to change. Uh, here's the thing about change, though. Most of us really, at our core, all of us really dislike change. I like to think that I'm a person who likes change. Uh, like, I, I so much like for things to be different a lot that I won't even eat the leftovers from dinner last night because I had it yesterday. Why do I want it today, right? I don't want the same thing over and over again unless it's like fried chicken or bacon or something. I'll eat that all the time. But maybe together. I've never tried that. Bacon fried chicken. Sorry, that was not even in my notes. I just got sidetracked because, you know, and I like food. So uh, I, I like to think that I like change, but here's the deal. How many of you guys... You picture what your day is going to be like. You go to school, and you're like, all right, I've got this class and this class. I've got to turn in this thing, and I've got to do that, blah, 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 all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, something changes. Whoop, 
and your day is nothing like you had anticipated. Right? How often, how often does that happen? It happens a lot, right? And so I'm, I'm a kind of person, I'm typically not like a super scheduler, like want everything to be the same. But when things don't go the way I, I want them to, I tend to freak out a little bit. Now, I'm not a like freak out, like out loud kind of person. It's just all in my head. Um, but still, when things don't change, when things do change, excuse me, dinner coming up. Uh, when things do change and don't go quite the way I want them to, or the way I feel they should, I get I get upset, right? This is there's something uh, in us that leads us to be that way, and that thing that's in us that leads us to be that way is our sin nature. We're all born with this sin nature because of Adam and Eve's sin and the curse of all of mankind. Everyone is born selfish and sinful, right? And so there's this sin nature in us that that constantly draws us toward selfishness. Uh, and the things that make us happy, the things that make us comfortable, uh, and not really worried about other people, right? So when things change, and they don't go the way we want them to, that sin nature in us is what goes, right? Like, that's stupid. I want it to be the way I want it to be. When the gospel comes in, when the gospel comes in, there's this other side. Britain uh, has talked about it like this, those who know Brittany's a senior high. Uh, student minister slash contemporary pastor slash a whole bunch of things at church, um, talks about this war within. So when you're a Christian, you have this Holy Spirit living in you. The sin nature doesn't go away. It's still there. But then you have the Holy Spirit that enters, and the Holy Spirit is calling you to perfection, is calling you to holiness, calling you to love God and love others. And this sin nature is constantly drawing and pulling you to do selfish things, to, to do sinful things. And there's this battle, this battle within uh, over these things uh, and they're, they're just they're completely contrary to one another and the gospel is constantly calling us to change and move away from that sin nature but that sin nature is what's always pulling us and wanting us to not change wanting us to to hate change ultimately let's turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2 book of Ephesians or letter of Ephesians, if you will, letter to the Ephesians. Uh, chapter 2, if it's helpful, it's on page 976 in my Bible. Rarely is helpful because you don't have the same Bible I do, uh, or at least the same layout of the Bible. Hopefully you have an English Bible, so it's the same. But, uh, uh, well, it's this one. It's half brown and black, uh, and it's also worn out. Where I let you, you see how I carry it all the time, like my hand right there? Yeah, right? Uh, anyway. This is an English standard version, if you will. All right, here we go. Yeah, ESV. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, uh, so that no one may boast. So last week we talked about what the gospel is, right? We talked about some of the facts of the gospel and, and, and sort of intro this series and, and, the, and the story of the gospel. Remember, gospel uh, is, a, is a Greek word literally translated just means good news, right? And so the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus is that Jesus came. He took on our sins by dying on the cross. He was buried for three days. And on the third day, he rose, defeating death. And so then those who believe in him have eternal life with God instead of eternal punishment separated from God, right? That's the, that's the gospel. Those are the facts of the gospel. And what Paul is telling us here 
is that by God's grace, God accepts our faith in Jesus and brings us into relationship with him. Here's the thing about faith, though. Faith is not logical. By definition, faith is the trusting and believing in something that you can't see. It's the, it's the trusting and believing in something that you just can't empirically prove. There is no A plus B equals C to get to God, right? There is no logic that can logic your way to understanding God, and that's cool. That, that sounds like, well, that's dumb, but it's actually really cool because God is so big and so powerful that we cannot, with our human brains, wrap our mind around it, right? And so the first thing uh, that the gospel changes is our mind. The gospel changes our mind. We have to switch from trying to think logically and step into the realm of faith to even begin to believe the gospel. That an all-powerful, unknowable God has sent his only son to die and take on our sins and conquer death for us so that we can be in relationship with him. You have to step outside of logic into faith to be able to get that. And so to, to even begin a relationship with God, you have to allow the gospel to change, to change your mind. Now, I'm not saying, like, Christians should just forget all logic, right? I mean, like, you still need daily logic. Like, don't put your hand on a hot stove because it'll burn you, right? So, like, you still need your normal functioning brain. But when it comes to things, when it comes to things of God uh, and, and spiritual stuff, there's, there's part of faith that just trusts and knows that God exists and believes that Jesus has sacrificed himself for us to be in relationship with him. Then we move on to Romans. We're gonna be, this should be the last passage we have to turn to tonight. So turn over to the book of Romans. Oh, went too far. Same, same author here. It's Paul, a great missionary. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. For a lot of us who have been in church for a while, some of you have not been in church for a long time. Some of you, this may be your first time, and that's awesome. I'm super excited you're here. Uh, but for some of us who've been in church for a long time, the gospel, you hear that word, and it kind of, it's just, oh, the gospel, right? It's something that you're super familiar with, and we forget, we forget the power that the gospel carries, the weight that the gospel carries. It's kind of like uh, one of the main verses that sums up the gospel, John three sixteen. Even if you've not been uh, in church before, you've probably seen the reference, you've probably heard the verse before, right? For God so loved the world, he sent his only son, that those who believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, right? So like, this is a verse that we're all super familiar with, and we're just like, oh yeah, John three sixteen, yay! But we forget the weight and, and overall power that that carries, because the gospel is not only what changes our mind and ultimately saves us when we put our faith in Jesus, the gospel is what changes us completely. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is what changes us completely. Let's look in uh, verse 1. Paul talks about, uh, he, he sort of dives into this and talks about this a little bit. Verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The word worship there can also be interpreted service. It's kind of the same thing, your spiritual work, uh, worship, spiritual service. Um, he says that we are to be a living sacrifice. Now, when he says this, he's not saying like, oh, I'm going to sacrifice eating candy because it's conditioning time for whatever sport I'm in. Like, uh, that's not the kind of sacrifice he's talking about here. He's talking about sacrifice that requires death. Sacrifice that requires death. And I'm not being overdramatic here. He's re- Paul is, is referencing, but not saying we should do this exact thing, but he's referencing Old Testament sacrifice here, the sacrificial system uh, that was going on in the Old Testament, which was you would bring uh, whatever animal for whatever sacrifice. There were several different ones. Um, <clears throat> you'd bring that to the temple. Priest would look it over, make sure that it was ex- an acceptable sacrifice because you didn't just sacrifice any animal. It had to, there were like certain things about it. it couldn't have any broken bones and like all those sorts of things. And then they would kill the animal, right? There were several different things that they would do with it after they had killed it. But like one of the biggest sacrifices every year that they did was one that atoned for everyone's, that covered everyone's sin, where they would take the animal, drain its blood, and then they would go into what's called the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelt, and they would sprinkle it over what's called the mercy seat, and that, that blood covering over that uh, mercy seat was a sacrifice that would, uh, that would atone for the, the nation of Israel's sins, right? That's ultimately uh, foreshadowing. That's uh, giving us a view of what Jesus would do. So these animal sacrifices, uh, they had to do all the time because they were not, they were not perfect sacrifices. They weren't sacrifices that just ended uh, that just covered all sin forever. They just temporarily covered sin. And so that's why they had to continually do this over and over and over again. But whenever Jesus came, he shed his blood. His blood was the final sacrifice because he was the perfect and complete sacrifice. Right? So that was side note. But this is the kind of sacrifice that Paul's talking about here. He's talking about one that is involving death. Now, so... Paul is not saying, hey, you should go buy a goat, slit its throat. Like, he's not saying that. He's not saying that, okay? Uh, And if that was graphic, I'm sorry for some of you, but it's in the Bible. Um, (laughs) Don't tell your parents. Anyway, um, (laughs) half of them probably listen to the recorder like, oh, gosh, we're firing that guy. Anyway, so he's talking about dying to ourself. Paul mentions this in several other places in Scripture, that we die to ourself. Well, what does that mean? You don't kill yourself, all right? That's not what he's talking about. This is a spiritual thing. So remember, I talked about this war within. So there's this sin nature in us that leads us to selfishness, leads us uh, to the things of the world. And there's the Holy Spirit in us whenever you're a Christian. Uh, and, the, and these guys uh, are battling out, battling it out. And this death to ourself is, is, is the pushing out of that sin nature, is, is, is getting rid of your selfishness and living your life for God and for others. So when you wake up every day, you don't think about, man, what cool stuff is going to happen for me today? What cool stuff am I going to be able to do today? What, uh, you know, how, mu- how many whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not, you don't wake up thinking selfishly. You wake up going, man, how can I bring glory to God today? How can I, how can I serve others today? That's what Paul's talking about. That sacrifice of your own selfish desires and happiness and comfort. So we are, I think I got one there. Our life is a living sacrifice. And then he moves on to 
verse 2, and he talks about the how here. So he says what. So whenever the gospel changes us completely, it leads us to a, lot, a sacrificial life that is, us getting, uh, is giving up our own selfishness and moving toward living for God and living for others. In verse 2, he goes into the how, right? Here we are in the Bible, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The renewing of our mind. That sounds kind of like meditate, right? That's not fully what I'm talking about. Meditation is, is a good thing. Uh, well, not like Buddhist meditation, but meditating on scripture is good. What he's talking about here is that the way you go about being a living sacrifice and you're pushing out the sinful, selfish uh, person whenever you're trying to get rid of uh, your selfishness and your sin, something's got to replace it. And the way we do that is reading, studying, and memorizing scripture through prayer and through conversations with friends about Jesus. Everybody looking up here? Unless you're writing notes, right? The way we do that is through reading, studying scripture, memorizing scripture, prayer, and conversations with friends about Jesus. Don't give me a number. Don't raise your hands or any of that kind of thing. But how? think about a normal day for you. Those who are Christians in the room, how many times a day, if at all, do you talk about Jesus? Even to Christian friends. Now, this is, this is not me saying, like, I'm better than you at this because I work at a church every day, and there are days that I go the whole day, and I haven't had a conversation about Jesus, right? Uh, and it's because that particular day, I wasn't renewing my mind. I wasn't pushing out selfishness and letting, and letting my life be uh, focused on God and others. I was letting my selfishness take over, right? And so conversations, even with our fellow Christian friends, not always do they have to be always about Jesus, but at some point, that should come up. At some point, that should come up. Now, here's something that's super convicting to me, right? And I'm, I wouldn't even have to bet a whole lot of money to win a whole bunch of money back, uh, but I would guess that it's, it's pretty convicting to everybody in the room if you really think about it. So here's... Here's what happens to me a lot. So during the day, having conversations with people, we're laughing, talking, and that kind of thing. And conversations and situations quickly and often bring back uh, memories of, like, quotes and scenes from, like, TV shows and movies. I love watching TV. I love watching movies. I, I mean, I love all that. I love making movies and all that kind of stuff. I love that world. But very little... Do those com in those conversations, does scripture come to mind? But quickly and often, TV shows and, and quotes come to mind. Because more often than not, I spend a lot more time watching TV than I do studying the Bible. Now, I'm not saying, I don't want you guys to, to like turn off now because you're like, you're being dumb, so I need you to look up. Okay, I'm not saying you should never watch TV. I'm not saying you should never, uh, you know, like play video games or whatever. But what I'm saying is, what's your priority? And here's how you can tell what your priority is. No matter what you say, what do you spend more time doing? Do you spend more time watching TV or playing video games or whatever it is you, 
like to do in your free time than you do reading the Bible or praying? Because whatever you do most often is what your real priority is, no matter what you say verbally. And again, this is convicting to me because I'm not perfect at that. There are, there are days that I watch TV way much more than I do uh, study the Bible. But our priority ought to be renewing our mind with the things of God, which is Scripture, than renewing our mind with the things of the world. Right? Because the more we fill our mind with the things of the world, the more we're going to think like the world. And, and Paul is clearly calling us to push out that sinful selfishness that culture calls us to and to renew our mind with him. To re- renew our mind uh, with the things of God. The last section here, the gospel changes how we look. The gospel changes how we look. Now, I'm not saying that, the, that whenever you become a Christian, you like physically look different or you're like you dress different or whatever. Now, there is some uh, you know, conversation of dressing modestly and stuff. I'm not getting into that. But I'm not talking about physical appearance. For several weeks... Uh, this semester, we talked, uh, we walked our, our way through the book of James, right? One of the big phrases said over and over again, that's like famous, like James is most famous for in his little letter, is faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And once again, Paul, uh, James is not saying that you have to do good works and, and that earns your way to heaven and earns your way into uh, to a relationship with God. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is true faith True uh, life changed by the gospel leads to action. It leads to good works. It leads to good works. So the gospel changes first our mind when we first begin to believe it. We step out of logic and, and into faith where we're believing in this thing that's bigger than us and, and better than us and then moves into changing us through the renewing of our mind and then eventually leads to the gospel changing how we look to others. And again, that's not physical appearance. Uh, physical appearance. People at school should be able to know that you follow Jesus without you saying the words, I believe in Jesus. As you go throughout your day, as I go throughout my day, my actions and my words should be different than the world's. The way I speak, the things I talk about, the actions that I do should be focused on God and others, which is contrary to what culture tells us to do, which is do what's best for yourself. Do what makes you happy, right? Do what makes you comfortable. So this gospel uh, calls us to change and to live differently than the world. Change is not fun, though. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, but in order to even begin believing in God, even begin a relationship with with God, which we all need. It begins with a change. It begins with a change. Uh, Change is actually how uh, we see if our faith is genuine. Christians in the room, everybody looking up here. Those, Those of you who believe in Jesus and you have been changed by the gospel... Are you different today? Are you a different person today than you were a year ago this time? If the answer is no, then is your faith genuine? Now, I'm not saying like, did you actually get saved? No, that's a good question to ask. But what I'm saying is, are you actively 
pursuing God in your faith. If you are not different or not that much different than you were a year ago, then your faith is not growing. That's what James said over and over and over again as we studied it, is these, these good works and the actions that come from us are a measure of our faith. They're not what lead us to faith, but they are a measure of, of how deep our faith is. Change is how we see if our faith is genuine. So there are two, there are two questions for you guys to walk away with answering. If you're, if you're in the room and you're not a Christian, your question is at the very beginning. Are you going to allow the gospel to change your mind? Are you going to move from trying to prove God log- that God logically exists? Or are you going to step out in faith and trust and believe in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection? If you have already believed that and you're a Christian, the question is, are you allowing the gospel to change you? The gospel is centered to every single day. I talked about uh, a minute ago how we... We kind of take it lightly and we hear the word gospel and we're like, oh, that's fun, right? But the gospel is something that we need every single day. It's not just something that, that we hear and we accept Jesus, we become Christian, and then we just move on from it. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how deep your faith is in Jesus, you always need the gospel. The gospel is what is always continuing to change us and move us because it is, is because of Jesus' sacrifice for us that we're even allowed to be in a relationship with God, and so that should always be what's at the forefront of our mind as we live our life for God and for others. Let me pray, and then we're going to move into small groups. Father, I thank you so much for the gospel. I thank you for the good news of Jesus, that you sent him to make a way for us to be in relationship with you. You created us to be in relationship with you, and then we messed it all up with sin but you created a way for us to come back in a relationship with you. I thank you for that. I ask for your Holy Spirit to move in this room and those who are not Christians, that they would realize that they need you and that the gospel would change their life and bring them into a relationship with you. And those in the room who have already believed uh, in Jesus and are uh, your children, that their faith would grow deeper and, and that they would allow the gospel to change them daily. Christ, I'm praying. Amen.